everyone, and welcome back to the Pre-Health Handbook. For today's episode, I'll be interviewing a few people from UCSD's Global Medical Training, which is an on-campus organization through which students can go on global trips to help medically underserved communities in other countries. Um, I hope you find this episode interesting, entertaining, and if you have anything that you'd like to hear about next, make sure you message HMP3 at UCSD on Facebook or on Instagram. Quick warning, um, this is being filmed during COVID times, which means we were working with four people's Wi-Fi's while we tried to record and simultaneously um, send data back and forth. And so there will be a little bit of static and crackling throughout. However, I hope you still gain a lot from this conversation. And hopefully one day I'll be able to film with people in the same room without having to worry about Wi-Fi and such wonderful technological restraints. Um, Remember, I am a pre-med hosting this show, and if anybody is more tech-savvy and would love to help me out, I'll take it. Um, But yeah, without further ado, let's move on to the actual interviews. Hey everyone, thank you guys for being here. So, um, I'm here with my guests. I have three lovely people from UCSD's GMT here to talk to us today. And I'm just going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Hi everyone, my name is Sahana. I am a third year public health student and I am the president of GMT. And uh, I'm really excited to be here and speak with you today. Hi everyone, my name is Erica. I'm a third year at UCSD, majoring in psychology with an emphasis in human health. I am currently the vice president of global medical training and I have gone on one trip previously to the Dominican Republic. Hi everyone, my name is Kyla. Um, I am also a third year incoming. Uh, My major is human biology. I am the director of finance for GMT and same as Erica and Sahana, I've also been on one trip to the Dominican Republic with our GMT. So for everyone out there who doesn't know, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what GMT is and what GMT does, both as a, a global organization and on UCSD's campus? Yeah, sure. So GMT stands for Global Medical Training, and it's an international nonprofit humanitarian org. And uh, they have chapters at multiple schools. So we have our local chapter on the UCSD campus. And so in terms of what we do, we usually uh, travel once a year, um, usually for a week. And we go to a a country that has a medically underserved population and uh, host different clinics there over the course of the week. And that's normally what we do on a global scale. And then locally, uh, which is what the UCSD chapter does specifically with our board members, uh, we organize local volunteering in San Diego, as well as other fundraising events and um, public and global health awareness campaigns. All right, awesome. And um, so how long are these trips and like, what do you do when you go abroad? So our trips are usually one week. And so we've us- we usually travel during the spring break of our um, of our school year and we go for the entire week and we spend four of the, those days hosting clinics usually from 9 a.m to about 5 p.m every day and those clinics are normally held in more rural areas um, away from the city that we fly into so in the case of the dominican republic we flew into santo, santo domingo and then we traveled um, each day a little bit away from the city to set up 
and our clinics are usually um, just tailored to addressing some of the some of the uh, population that might not have access to medical care on a regular basis. Yeah, it sounds like a great opportunity for anybody who's interested in pre-health. And um, that kind of brings me, brings me to my next point. So I know this is one of those things that a lot of pre-med students are like, I have to get hours by doing this and I have to do these trips because I like need hours for school applications. But we aren't just pre-med students, right? Like there are students in our org who have been pre-health students. We've had students in our org who weren't pre-health students. Um, and just can you talk a little bit about the value that you found from this trip outside of just like medical experience? Like- yeah, so I think that it's definitely important to bring that up and note that you don't have to be pre-med or even pre-health to gain something from these trips and to also, you know, contribute to them. Um, I think that even if you're not interested in like the medicine aspect, I know for me, I had a friend who came on the GMT trip with me to the Dominican Republic. And at the end of the experience, she decided that she didn't want to pursue medicine anymore and she no longer wanted to be pre-med. Um, but the following year, she still wanted to come on the next trip to Peru, which ended up getting canceled. But um, I think that kind of goes to show that <laughs> that's not what you think traditionally. Like, oh, you don't want to pursue medicine. Why would you go on a medical trip? But I think that there's a lot to gain from it. Just the experiences of helping others, um, of serving others, and really just the interactions that you get to have with the local people that we serve through our medical clinics. Um that's just really fulfilling and gratifying. And I think that there's just so much to gain also from, you know, working in a team, working with fellow students. Um, And so I think that it's good for people who are unsure about medicine or if they want to be pre-med, it might be that sort of driving force to make them realize I really want to do this or I really don't, you know. Um, And I think that also a large part of volunteering and the service work that pre-meds do um, can also be non-medical related. Like, for example, we started pursuing a local um, volunteering opportunity in San Diego uh, this past year. It's called Street Corner Care, and um, and it's essentially like a free sort of clinic, medical, like food bank and um, donation sort of center for the homeless population in downtown San Diego. Um, And so that was a really great experience um, when I was able to go with some other members of GMT because we were able to volunteer at the medical tent, um, which involved like taking vitals, like blood pressure and uh, checking blood glucose levels and temperature, things like that for the homeless population. Um, And then letting them go on to see an actual physician. We also had a chiropractor on site, which is really cool um, and important for people who are oftentimes, you know, sleeping on the street. And so that was a really great experience. And in addition to the medical tent, there's also, like I said, um, a place where the the homeless folks could get like a hot meal. They could also go to the donation center and pick up clothing or other things. Um, So I think that sort of goes to show you that in addition to the medical aspects, of volunteer work, there's also all these other layers that don't have to be necessarily medical. Like you can donate um, 
you can donate things, you can uh, work at like a food bank or, you know, serving up meals for underserved communities. I think that there's so much to gain from volunteering and helping others that doesn't have to be explicitly medical. Yeah, and I definitely think a lot of the things you're talking about, like, they still tie into your general health. Um, getting healthy meals or having access to clothing to protect you from the weather and like all of that still does affect your overall health and is kind of preventative medicine in a way right yeah totally I think that um, that's something that's also sort of been brought to light with the pandemic is oh how are we going to sort of serve and help out the homeless populations in our country you know Um, I know for me I'm from LA and um, back home, uh, in some areas where there's a lot of homeless folks, they were setting up like porta potties and little like shower areas and giving them tents and sort of providing more shelter and like basic living necessities because of the pandemic. Um, so I don't know. I think that just sort of brings to light, like, yeah, these are very important aspects of everyone's health, and also we shouldn't neglect these populations that don't have access to as much healthcare as. Um, more privileged populations do. So yeah, like you said, we've had students that have come into the club pre-med and realized that they liked the volunteering experience, but that medicine wasn't for them. And we've had people that just wanted to volunteer internationally, be a part of our club. So again, you don't have to necessarily be pre-med or pre-health, though that is the majority of our club. And in terms of what you can experience, aside from you know learning different aspects of medical or healthcare, you do get a chance to really engage with the culture in a way that you probably wouldn't if you were just traveling or as a tourist in any country. Um, Comparing it to just like personal trips that I've taken, you know, you do interact with native populations, of course, on some level, but you don't interact with them like you do in the setup that GMT does provide you, which is direct interaction in a, you know, a culturally appropriate setting where you get to engage with the language, engage with the culture, the food, the people, all in various different levels. And so even just on like a very, like an experience level, it's really cool. Like even if you just take the medical, you know, aspect out of it, it's a cool experience. Something that you could, you know, you'll be able to tell stories about for however long to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so speaking of stories, right, you've been on a trip. It was probably a very, very long one week, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But um Do you have any particular stories or experiences that you feel like really stuck with you from that one week that you're like, yeah, if I wanted to tell somebody about what I got out of GMT, this is the story, you know? So I can go first. I think that a memory that is still very vivid to me was our last clinic day in the Dominican Republic. We were in a very rural town in um, an older church where we were seeing lots of patients that day. It was the hottest day of the week that we had been there. Um, We were in a church that had no real roof. It was kind of just like metal sheets on top uh, to give what summer protection. We had some fans going in the church, but it was still extremely, extremely hot. Um, And I remember that all of a sudden we lost power. So, you know, the few fans that we have were no longer working. We were sweating. We were tired. Um, But we were still pushing through the day, happy to help as many patients as we could. And before we know it, it starts pouring rain like I have never seen before. So, you know, first thing we did was rush to get all of the patients and kids inside of the church. Um, It was extremely loud in there just because the rain was hitting the metal sheets directly. 
um, it was a kind of surreal experience. It was loud. There was hundreds of people in this church, uh, but we were still all so happy to be there. We were working as a team. Um, even though it was really hard to even hear the patients speak because of the pouring rain, we still pushed through. We were working with our translators, our doctors, to make sure that even in these circumstances, we were still able to help and see as many patients as we could. And that day is definitely very memorable because, you know, after all of the circumstances and the setbacks, it was a very fulfilling experience at the end of the day to know that we pushed through it, we got through it, and we were able to help so many people our last day of clinic. Yeah, so memory Erica brought up is definitely one that I always think of and I'm very fond of uh, when thinking about our trip. Um, something that also stands out to me though is our bus rides that we would take every day. Uh, every day we would pack up into the two buses and travel to the area that we were going to set up a medical clinic in and then at the end of the day we'd all pack back onto the buses and get ready to go home and I just remember this sort of collective feeling of exhaustion and like feeling sweaty and hungry and tired, but also just feeling so grateful and fulfilled from the day's experiences. Um, and there was always just such camaraderie between the GMT staff and all of the students that we traveled with and sort of just this shared feeling of, wow, we got to do so much today. We interacted with so many amazing patients and we're so lucky that we got to experience this. And I just always remember those feelings on that bus ride. Yeah, I definitely think like, um, personally, as a pre-health student, I've definitely seen a lot of like, myself, and my friends, we've all felt kind of like, what are we working towards? Or like, when are we going to feel that sense of fulfillment that we like, are actually making some sort of difference? And I feel like you guys really get that out of this trip, don't you? Yeah, definitely. I think that that's a great point. Um, you know, having those interactions with patients, the way that we're able to through G it's so valuable because it really does remind you like what you're working towards and um, I guess how really impactful it can be both on you and like the patients that you help. All right, awesome. And um, Sahana, do you have a memory you'd like to add to this group? Yes, um, while Erica's and Kyla's, both of their memories I do remember vividly, remember, you know, the rain on that last day and the super <laughs> fun bus rides. I think my favorite memory would have to be um, being in the clinic and getting the opportunity to go and visit elderly patients within the nearby community just because they couldn't make it out to wherever we had set up for that day. And so I remember on the day that I did that, we usually break out into small groups of like six or seven students and then a translator and a doctor and we walk out of our clinic and go into the neighborhood into some into a house that you know needs assistance and so I remember the day that I did that we went and we um, met these two um, older ladies I think they were in their late 90s and they were absolute sweethearts just very just extremely friendly extremely warm and just really grateful for us being there and like even just making the effort to walk out even though you know in um, hindsight, like it, it wasn't that big of a deal for us. Like it was really just a walk, you know, from the clinic up into the neighborhood. But for them, it really, you know, like they thought it was just the sweetest thing. And they were just so welcoming that it was it was really rewarding and nice to see people in the community welcome us like that, just because, you know, it sort of makes it all worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, 
Oh, sorry. Continue, please. Continue. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was gonna. I was gonna say that it was cool to be able to, you know, play a part in healthcare in a completely different setting, one that you know we're not used to seeing here in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you guys all spoke about three like very different experiences, or not very different experiences, but like different aspects of this trip that I think are all like very important. And I love what you said at the end there, like. I think the the main thing that I'm getting from what you guys are saying is like you really get to see medicine practiced in new settings and you get to see how like health plays a part in people's lives outside of hospitals or like what you see on TV. Right. Like you never see this when you think of getting to go see what doctors do. You always think of hospitals and like white walls. But you guys were in neighborhoods and in churches and doing this sort of thing. And that sounds like a very unique experience it definitely was I think I can speak for all three of us when I say that it was something like you don't even know what you're going into until you're there and you get to experience (laughs) it and then it's great (laughs) you just can't stop talking about it can you tell us a little bit more about um the last trip that you were on and what was common there that wasn't necessarily something you'd heard of before that trip yes the most common one I think um Sahana and Kyla would maybe agree on this. Like for the children, especially, the most common thing we saw was scabies. Um, mm-hmm. So because you know, in these villages, there most of the time there is no running water. Most of the locations we visited had no running water, no bathrooms, no showers. So you know, showering is not something that happens every day with children. So a lot of the time, you know, the kids are running around outside or can get, um, you know, I guess. It's not, it's almost like a fungus that we usually diagnose as scabies. So some of the common signs that we see are like tiny little red bumps in between the fingers, under the armpits, um, in the back of the, in the back of the knee, uh, under the feet. So this is something that we look for, um, you know, in the workshops, we learned that this is something very common among, among children and it's very contagious. So most of the time, um, in these rural villages, we saw that co-sleeping often occurred. So if one child has it and slept with the parents or with other siblings, most of the family was infected. So uh, what we would give them would be um, antifungal cream and also oatmeal soap that they would be able to bathe themselves in. And we would also recommend for them to wash all of their bedding and clothes in hot water and leave it out in the sun to dry for about three days. So this is um, something that we would often see in a lot of children. Besides the, you know, children not taking antiparasite medications early enough, but that was a very common condition that we've seen among children. So, uh, or even like a common cold, runny nose, uh, we would prescribe the children vitamin C in a liquid form. Um, I'm not sure if like Sahana or Kyla remember any other common ones for adults or even kids. I think a lot of times we saw a lot of patients with flu symptoms or flu-like symptoms. And so it was, you know, very much like the common cold, fevers, coughs, chills. So it's like, I just want to stress that like a lot of the the way the clinic is set up is very much like primary care here in the U.S. and like how we would maybe see like a family uh, medicine practitioner. And so that was essentially the entire set. A lot of the things that we saw were very basic um, ailments or basic symptoms. Yeah, and I think that adding on to what Sahana and Erica mentioned, um, 
a big part of sort of our treatment for patients was what uh, the doctors there called talk treatment or what you might think of as like preventative treatment. So a lot of what we were doing was also educating um, patients on the type of water they're drinking, you know, asking them, oh, are you drinking filtered water? Do you boil your water before drinking it? Oftentimes they would be drinking tap water. Um, and so it's sort of that element of trying to educate them on healthier sources of water, um, healthier diet choices and exercise habits, um, as well as like what Erica mentioned for the scabies where it's like, oh yeah, leave your uh, sheets and bedding and clothes out in the sun and make sure, you know, all the siblings take the medication too. Um, it's a lot of just sort of like basic uh, preventative treatment because we really want to emphasize that our patients are leading healthier lives beyond this one day that we see them. So it's not just like, oh, here's some medicine. Now we're going to leave. It's more like, mm -hmm. here's some medicine to treat what you have. And also let's talk about how you can lead a healthier life and um, ensure you and your family are staying like safe and healthy beyond this visit. So let's like educate you um, as much as we can and make sure that uh, we're having a more lasting impact, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's super important. And it kind of brings me to another point. Um, public health, I think, is one of those fields that wasn't talked about for a very long time. And then it got like catapulted into mainstream attention now that we have an actual pandemic going on. Um, but preventative medicine is a very large part of public health. And it's something that a lot more pre-health students are getting interested in nowadays. So um, what... I mean, do you think you could just expand a little bit about the preventative medicine measures that you guys um, do on these trips? Yes, of course. I think public health, like you said, is in a really interesting position right now because it's obviously really relevant and we need it. Um, and people sometimes forget how closely related it is to medicine just because, you know, you think public health, you maybe think policies and you know, brochures and like general statements about health, but you don't think about it like you do medicine, which is like symptoms and patients that you're treating. Uh, but the way that the clinics work is that we actually get a chance to talk to everyone. And one of the doctors called this talk treatment. And we essentially, you know, get to speak with them, like Kyla mentioned, really understand or like um, explain certain aspects of, you know, like ways to be preventative, like boiling your water and making sure that, you know, when you're bathing, you want to use boiled water so you can avoid bacteria or parasites and things like that. So I think it's, it's a really important aspect of health and I'm really glad to see that it's becoming, you know, it's coming up to the front and it's being more mainstream or at least being associated more with medicine. Yeah. I mean, that's, I definitely think like um, when I was applying for schools, so I'm also third year, I, when I was applying for schools, public health and global health were like majors that were like kind of there. People didn't really talk about them. They didn't know about them that mm -hmm. much. And in the three years I've been in college, like the amount of people who I've met who are either public health or global health majors who are interested in both medicine or just general health care and policy both has increased a lot, in, at least what I've seen. And have you guys had like a similar or noticed a similar trend? Yeah, I definitely have. Definitely. I feel like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that I think um, before college or even before applying, I, you know, understood public health to be a lot um, 
more, you know, simple than it really is. Like I figured it was more one dimensional. It really only addressed like policy and very specific aspects of health, but applying into public health and learning more about it and like being in the major and like a part of the department, it really shows you that there's a lot more to it. And it's so multifaceted and it's interdisciplinary and it's a really cool field. And I think global health too, especially with how, you know, globalized the world is right now and how interconnected we are it's super important to consider other you know systems of healthcare and other forms of healthcare delivery and cultural differences and cultural nuances because you know delivering medicine or delivering healthcare isn't just like one plus one equals two like it's not you know a really simple formula that can be applied yeah, absolutely. everywhere absolutely and um and i definitely talked about this in our last episode Uh, with Lauren and we talked about like some of the classes that we've taken on campus that we thought were really interesting and important that aren't necessarily like the pre-med classes they're not like science they're not physics Um, and obviously as a public health major you have a lot more of those classes that you're taking so are there any classes that you've taken that are just like you loved it you would recommend it to everyone you thought it was really like important to what you consider the pre-health experience yes so um fmph 40 which is intro to public health is a really cool class if you're just curious about public health in general and um, i think it counts for a lot of different things in different colleges um aside from you know my major requirement so that's a cool class to just be exposed to what it means to be in public health another favorite of mine was fmph 50 which was actually primary care and public health and that was really like the first time i saw you know a concrete relationship between primary care as you know a practice as a discipline and then public health as like a field and how those two are really closely related and what you can do with both of them um another favorite of mine is probably glbh uh, 148 which is cultural diversity in health that's kind of the tagline i'm blanking on the official name but that's a really cool class because it's cross-listed as global health and anthropology and you basically get to discuss you know, health from an um, anthropology perspective, from a sociological perspective, and you get to see health in different cultures, in different contexts, in different communities. And it was it was an upper div class, so it was really cool with the the readings and the essays and things that we did. So I think if I had to pick three, I would recommend those three if you have a chance to take them. Yeah, no, those sound like some great classes, and um, I definitely think that anyone who's from UCSD who's listening can look into if those classes are available to them. Um, As always, we hope that you check out these classes and if you do take them, that you learn something really interesting from them. And yeah, okay, so next uh, topic. So the next question I wanna talk about is a very common question associated with um, medical trips and trips abroad to do things like GMT. Um, How can you avoid being a tourist or promoting volunteerism when you're doing a trip like this? Like, what should students keep in mind when they sign up for a trip like this so that they're leaving the environment or leaving the community better than they entered it? So I think this is a really interesting question. It's one that I think Kyle and I have discussed in the past and maybe mm-hmm. even Eric and I have. And I think it's really important because um, going into the medical profession means do no harm, right? We want to help people. That's normally the goal. That's normally why we want to do it. 
And so if we're going abroad and we're trying to experience other cultures and um, cultivate an experience for both ourselves and for the people that we get to interact with, we have to make sure, like you said, Ria, that we're not, you know, doing more harm than good. So with volunteer trips, I think it's important to be critical of the organization that you're going with and who you're associated with and to make sure that you, in your trip abroad, your volunteer experiences are very much like you are being invited into this country. You're going in with the, the hopes of helping, but not um, not with the attitude of like, I'm going to better this like underserved or underprivileged population because I'm clearly the superior one in this relationship. Like that's definitely not what you should be going into it with. You have to be very careful of, you know, even adopting that sort of mindset because I think that's extremely harmful and detrimental to the populations that we serve. Um, and then as far as the tourism aspect goes, I think as long as you are A, critical of the organization you're going with and B, are aware that like tourism only extends to like, you know, like the city and like the sightseeing that you could potentially do when you're there does not, it does not include the people that you get to see and the people that live there and the locals and natives that you might interact with. So it's just, I, it's really, really, really important to make sure that you're not treating people that you're going to see or going to interact with as, you know, like an attraction to go and visit, you know, for your own personal gain or personal pride or personal ego boost. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, oh gosh, it's been a long conversation. I forgot who said this earlier. Um, <laughs> it might have been you, actually. You were, you were talking about how, um, oh no, I think it was Kyla, you talked about how you want to make like lasting positive change in the community through preventative health care measures, right? Like, this mm-hmm. is part of that, right? Being um, respect- respectful and making sure you're not like breeding distrust in the new like population and not coming in with like a savior complex. Um, Exactly. But yeah, I definitely think medical trips abroad have gotten somewhat of a bad rep Mm -hmm. from a couple people who have not been so critical and not been so kind to their um, communities. Um, And so as an org for us, for GMT, I feel like we get a couple questions pretty commonly. So this is going to be like a little FAQ section. (laughs) Is GMT related to any religious organization? Is this a mission trip? Yeah, so this is definitely a question that uh, we've gotten, and I think that it's important to emphasize that we aren't associated with any religion or any sort of religious goal um, or intent. And I think that oftentimes when people think about any type of service trip, they associate it with religion and um, sort of assume it is a mission trip. And I think that that can sort of sway towards a problematic area um, And so I think it's important for us to distinguish ourselves as this is purely like a medical um, service trip and a public health, you know, preventative medicine emphasis um, type of service trip. And although sometimes we spend like local churches because it's a community, sort of a large community area, um, we don't do so in like a religious uh, way. And we, you know, we're not going there to try to convert um, the folks in that region to a certain religion we're not there to like impede and put any beliefs onto them we're simply there to like gain experience and help them as best as we can all right cool um it is a common question so we just wanted to make sure that's out there because a lot of students are interested there are definitely medical trips that are religiously affiliated if that's what you're looking for but this or probably isn't it so um yeah, but if you are looking for something that is just straight up medical slash like pre-health slash public health, 
then GMT does that, that sort of trip. All right. Second common misconception is, do you need to know Spanish or another language to be able to go on one of these trips? No, not at all. You can have absolutely zero Spanish experience and still go on this trip. We have translators that work with us when we're there, both uh, when we're you know not working in a clinic and then also when we're at the clinic. And so those translators help us speak to the patients. And there's absolutely no need for you to know Spanish. But if you do know it or you have a little bit of experience with it, you can practice it. You can learn more about it. You can actually use it in a clinical setting, which is a really cool experience to have. And so we welcome uh, people with all levels of experience with Spanish um, or other languages in general. All right. And on that note, I feel like this is a good place for us to end today's conversation. Um, We've talked a lot about what GMT is, what GMT does, and medical trips in general. And I hope that this was a useful conversation for everyone listening in. Thank you guys so much for featuring on this episode. And thank you everyone who's tuning in and listening to us. Um, As always, if there's anything you guys would like to hear about, please, please, please message our Instagram or Facebook at HMB3 at UCSD. And um, we'll see you next week. So thank you all and goodbye.